Am I on? Wicked. Just need to air uh, a bit of house. If you've been before, it's quite a sight when I get on stage and get a bit warm. So this fan's very much needed to make sure it's pointing in the right direction. <laughs> oh, yes, heard that. <laughs> right. Um, it's good to be back. Um, me and my wife have been away for a couple, couple weeks for two different reasons, but one was our birthday and then the other was just, we had a family situation come up, um, so we had to go down south last minute. Um, but I want to say that it's good to be here. Um, what's that? I don't know what that is. Anyway. Um, but before we do that, something, something really special happened this week um, and I want us to partake in it. Um, say it again. Nothing about the worst team in Manchester. Ah. <laughs> Lies. Right, so there's two people on the front. Oh, I'm back feeding. Feeding back. Is it this? They'll sort it out. We've got a good team. Right, there's two people on the front row. And something really, really special happened this week for them. Um, they celebrated their 20th, 20th, right? 20th wedding anniversary. So, Barry and Vicky, please stand up. Let's, let's give them a round of applause. Vicky, they can't see your face. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. But it's an incredible achievement and you guys are amazing and we're blessed by you and by your marriage and we wanna, I wanted to congratulate you from the front um, because you're special to me and to all of us, I hope. Um, you're welcome. Um, right. So I'm excited to speak this morning because... Um, you know what, God's been speaking already um, and I love when God's speaking and he confirms the word that you're going to speak um, because it tells me that the spirit of God is moving and it confirms before you say what you're going to say that it's what God wants to share with his people. Yeah, um, This word has been on my heart for probably about a month to be honest. Um, before I got asked to speak on this date. Um, and so when that happens, you can think, oh, is it the right word? Is it, is, it, is it spot on or is it accurate? And then God does what God does and says, it's what needs to be shared. Um, there was even a text message that I got last night that even confirmed some of the things that I was speaking about. And it's like, God is speaking. Yeah. And so I'm excited because it means that we have an opportunity to change we have an opportunity to do something that God would have us do. And if we would only listen and allow ourselves to be challenged, yeah. um, we'll see God do what he can do. Amen? Amen? And so I'm going to encourage you um, this morning because it's been said before, but if you hear something that you agree with, I want you to attest to it. Um, the Christian way is to say amen. <laughs> amen ultimately means that you agree, and that your spirit attests to it. And so I want you to do that, not for my purposes, all right? Um, I've been on a, enough of a journey, and I'm old enough now where I'm confident enough to know that I've, I hear the voice of God. Yeah. And on top of that, I've got people in my life that I know will um, challenge me and question me and critique me anyway, right? Um, so me asking you to say amen has got nothing to do with me, yeah. all right? The reason I'm asking you to say amen is absolutely for yourself. 
Because when you attest to a truth that you've heard, what it does is begin or create a shift in your spirit, which should then cause you to make an adjustment in the practical. All right? So the aim of you saying amen has got nothing to do with me. All right? I want it for you because I want our lives as a body of people to be changed. I want us to look more and more like Christ as a result of coming to church. Yeah? There's no point in us being here. Let me be frank. There's no point in us being here. It's just a Sunday club if our lives are not changed. And equally, if the lives of the people that we meet and come in contact are not changed as a result of us being in church together. Amen? So please, if you agree with it, you might not. Anyway, God will challenge you. It's all good. Uh, Hey, there we go. Um, Right. Let's kick, let's kick off. So when I was younger, I had um, pretty good credit. Um, it dipped and it's now getting better. Um, but so much so that I was able to, like if I went to a bank and requested for a loan or went anywhere, I'd get it like at the click of a finger. So much so that um, I had a person that was close to me, close to, I guess, yeah, to me, and they needed a telephone contract, all right? Um, so what I did, sorry. <laughs> so what I did was, <laughs> I got the contract for them. All right, I wasn't going to pay it. I had my contract that I was already paying, and they were they agreed to make the payments. Um, they didn't do so. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, somewhat naively, should I say? So actually, disclaimer: please don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Right, so they didn't do it. They ran up a debt, um, which, of course, affected my credit file. Um, I spoke to them and said, you need to make the payments. They started making the payments, but it was, the payments they were making were so small that it would have taken far longer than things or defaults stay in your credit file for it to come off my file. Long story short, um, one, I learned from that, <laughs> and two, um, I got to a point where I was able to make a lump sum payment to clear off the debt, all right? So I did that because I thought that in me doing that, it would instantaneously improve my credit file. Um, so I do that, end the phone call, made up thinking, come on, yes, back on track. Six months go by, I check my credit file and nothing's changed. So I make another phone call and say, what's going on? Why haven't things changed? To the point that they say, when a company lends you or offers you a loan, which is essentially what a, I guess a phone contract is, because if you count up how much you pay at the end of your contract, it's far more than the value of the phone. So, but ultimately, when they agree a payment plan with you, they're expecting to get a certain level of return. So when I made this payment, I stopped them from getting the benefit of agreeing a, a loan, uh, a payment plan with me. So in them giving me the loan or the payment plan with this individual, what they were saying is that we'll agree this payment plan because we know we're going to get way more than what you owe us over the course of time. All right? Another example. If you were to go to a bank and ask for a loan, um, say a £1,000 loan, yeah? And the bank are happy to give that to you. They're happy to do it because they will quote you an interest rate, yes? And so the reason they're happy to do that is because 
over the course of that loan or the payments you make back, they're expecting to receive more than the money, personal service, more than the money that you've, you've loaned from them. Does that make sense? Cheers, buddy. So inherent to them giving you, say, £1,000, they know that over the course of five years, they might get back £4,000. That's why they're happy to do it. In the same way, if you work for an organisation, some companies will invest in you to go on training courses because inherent to you going on that training course, there's an expected benefit that they'll receive as a result of the investment they've made in you. Right? So, so you go to, to do this course, yes, you get a benefit out of it, but ultimately, they expect to see some improvement in their organisation, either because you're more efficient or you're more productive, but ultimately, it improves their bottom line as a result of them investing in you. This concept can often be termed return on investment. Yeah, It's a concept that you'll hear in business, you'll hear in finance, and ultimately means when you make an investment or you put something into someone or something, you expect to see a certain amount of return more than what you've, what you've given them. Yeah. It's a system that the world uses, but I would argue it's something that God established. Yeah. If we turn to the book of Matthew, um, chapter 25, and we're going to read from verse 14 to 30. Um, as we turn here, I would implore you before we start reading, because if you've turned there, you'll see it's titled the parable, of the, the parable of the Talents. And many of you will say, I know that parable. Yeah, which is great. But I'm going to implore you again to stay switched on and stay focused, because what we don't want to do is become so familiar with the Word of God that we fail to see the value and, and hear what God is saying. Amen? Because when we get to heaven, what's going to happen? We'll be saying the same things over and over and over again, giving glory to God, because every time we see God, there is more to see of him. And so in the same way, when we turn to the pages of scripture, there is more for us to see when we turn to it, irrespective of the amount of times we've um, read a passage before. So we're going to read from verse 14 to verse 30. Um, and it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. To each according to his ability. Verse 16, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents, here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will see you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. 
His master again said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents, etc., etc. It says... There's so much in that passage that I believe is applicable for where we are as a church and where we ought to be going. It starts off by saying um, they were given according to their ability. But ultimately, everyone was given something. Right? And it's not about what you're given. It's about what you do with what you've been given. And I believe that what God is saying this morning is what do you have in your hand? If you want a title for the sermon, that's the title. What do you have in your hand? And I believe it's gonna, it needs to be a bit of a, a wake-up call. A bit of a challenge, but for some a bit of an encouragement. Because... And this is what I was talking about before when God affirms what you're saying. Because Barry came and said, there are people that are afraid of stepping out. And this thing of what do you have in your hand, for some is a wake-up call, but for some is an encouragement. Because God is saying to some people, don't be afraid. I've given you talent and ability. Step out with the things I've already given you. But for some of us, God's saying, What are you waiting for? You're asking me for more. You're asking me for more finance. You're asking me for more time. You're asking me for more responsibility. You're asking for doors to be opened, for more favor, more in so many different areas of life. And the question that God is asking you, first and foremost, is what do you have in your hand? It's important because... That's what I believe God would ask you. And it sounds harsh, but think about it. God has already done everything he ought to do for us in sending Jesus to the cross. But he went further than that. And Dave talked about it before, about us co-laboring with God. And what that basically means is he's got a work for us to do. And rather than whipping us as servants, he's standing side by side with us and saying, you work with me in accomplishing my vision on this earth. But some of us are waiting and asking God for more time. God, if you give me more time, I'll be able to do what, what you've asked me to do. If you give me more finance, then of course, I know how to spend it. If you give me more responsibility, look, I'm a great person. I've got great clout. And God's saying, what are you doing with what I've already given you? Because for some people, you're asking God for more time, but God's like, when you get home from work, How do you spend your time? 
you sit, you sit and watch Game of Thrones or you sit on your PlayStation or ultimately you do things that make you more comfortable and you're asking me for more time. For some people, you're asking God for more money, but God's like, okay, I've blessed you with money, but the money that you have, you use to, to spend on takeouts more than you ought to. You go and buy the latest clothes and spend like top-end fine money on them, or you go and get yourself in more debt by virtue of PCPs and all these sorts of things. You're asking God for more money, but God's like, look at what I've already given you and how you're using it. And even on the time thing, there's a flip side to all of this, which is there are people that are like, God, I've maxed out the time you've already given me. And God's like, yes, I see that. However, you've been inefficient in the way that you're spending your time. There are things you ought to say no to that would free you up to be the person that I've called you to be. And so the question and the challenge for all of us is, what do you have in your hand? Because there is a work for us to be doing here. Every single one of us has been given gifts and talents. Every single one of us has a dream or a vision. And for some of them, they're lying dormant. And you're saying, God, if, I, if only, if only. God's saying, no. Graciously, probably more gracious than I'm being now, but graciously, but he's saying, I've already given you so much. And frankly, you don't yet have the right to be asking me for more. <laughs> Come on. Good. It's like in a business, they say, okay, here's a 30 pound budget to 30,000 pound budget to spend on training. And you're like, we need more money for training. The first question I'll ask is, how have you spent the money we've already given you? And it's important that we start there because I know, looking out here, that we have so many gifts, so many talents. Yesterday, yesterday, on Friday, Vicky spoke about how people stepped up and helped. We already have a great group of people that are serving and, and doing amazing things in the church, okay? So this is not to say that everyone needs, but even those that are doing that, we still need to step up. We can't get comfortable in the fact that I'm doing my bit. Because the question then is, how are you doing your bit? Are you doing it to the best of your ability? There's a passage we'll read later that talks on that. But what do you have in your hand and how are you using it? Are you comfortable to come to church on a Sunday? And ultimately your question is, what can I take from church today? What, is, what, what are they going to give to me? Yeah. What's the worship going to be like? What's the sermon going to be like? Oh, I hope they've got that coffee in the cafe. <laughs> when there are people that you can be getting alongside, yeah. there are people that you can be encouraging, there are people that you can, can work with, there are people that get here so early, cleaning and doing all sorts of things in this building to make it presentable to, yeah. to us. So that when we come, we can actually enjoy the space. Yeah. And they do a fantastic job. Yeah. But they still need help. Because yeah. it's, it's that thing of, no, but look, the worship's great, so they clearly don't need help. <laughs> yeah? Or, it's always clean when we get here, so clearly they don't need help. <laughs> the words work, the sound works, clearly they don't need help. 
The kids seem to be looked after every week. They don't need help. That's not the truth. We thank God for the heart of people that have stepped up and are stepping out and are doing the things that, that help us to enjoy the space. But that does not mean that we don't need more help. That doesn't mean that we don't need more of us to step out and work together. Because what then happens is, when more of us step out and, and start working on the things that God's called us to, it lightens the load for all of us. Because the last thing we want is us essentially to burn people out because we're not helping them. It's possible. Because the heart of people that are serving is that I want to serve the kingdom and I want to serve the people that I'm in community with. How are we responding? Some of us, we might not be able to get here really early and clean, but are you appreciative for the fact that it's clean? It's one way you can help them. But the question is, uh, that's not even, that wasn't in my notes. Anyway, we thank God. Um, many pages ahead. That wasn't mine anyway. Right. Turn to 1 Peter 4 chapter 10 to 11. And it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Let's stop. Who is the each? About five people. Got that. (laughs) Who is the each? Us. Us. So every single one of us it's not me saying it, it's the word of God. Yeah. Every single one of us has been given a gift. Absolutely. Use them well to serve one another. Brilliant. So it's not the taking part that counts. <laughs> right? It's not. It's not just showing up and, and saying, I'm, I'm here on the team and doing nothing about it. And, and not pulling your weight or doing the very little. Yeah. Ricky talked about this morning, go hard or go home is ultimately the concept. How are you using the gifts that you've been given? It's not just enough to say, oh, like, um, I don't know, I've, I've joined the welcome team, and people are walking by you, and you're like... <laughs> yeah? <laughs> the joy of the Lord's your strength, and yeah, all... But, Ultimately, it's not just enough to be on the team. It's not just enough to, to take part. We, we applaud you and we, we say thank you for taking part, but we need to take it a step further because the Bible tells us, not me, it says use them well to serve one another. So even in how we serve one another, there is an expected standard to which we need to serve one another. And this is even like, it's funny because the heart of this started with just like, make, use what God's given you. And God's like, yeah, yeah, but we've got a body here that needs serving. Like Dave gave a, a wonderful encouragement. That was wicked. So wicked. Um, and the 9th of June, we're going to need people to help financially. Before the 9th of June, what can you do? After the 9th of June, what can you do? Because sometimes we'll say, oh, I've, I've, I've committed to the minimum standard. Use them well 
to serve one another. Yeah. It's the bare minimum is no longer acceptable. Yeah. Because Dave used a phrase that I love and I've used from time to time myself. Is Essentially, the heart of it is we need this place to reflect the God that we serve. Yeah. Our lives ought to be reflective of the God that we serve. And in the way we use the gift and the, and the skills that God has given us, we need to reflect the God that we serve. So even in the effort that you put into the things that God's calling you to, that should reflect the God that you serve. We serve an excellent God, and so the things that we do should be born out of a spirit of excellence. Which basically means that you want to do the best you can do, use them well, to serve one another in order to say God I'm giving you glory keep reading further in that passage it says do you have a gift of speaking then speak as though God himself was speaking through you do you have the gift of helping others do it with all your strength and energy that God supplies and everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ I love that 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 verse because it gives a spectrum of things doesn't it because some people will look at the stage and say that's the pinnacle it's not, mind. So if you think that, please don't, because it's not accurate. There's no, like, that's not the, this is not where you should ascribe to being necessarily. If that God's put that in you, absolutely, because it says that. Yeah? Speak as though God was speaking through you. But then it says, if you have the gift of helping others, what does that look like? Can I carry a bag? Yeah? Can I take that load off you or do you need a hand with that? But do it with all the strength and might that God gives you. It's the full spectrum of things that we do in this place. And it then says, then everything you do will bring glory to God. Why does it bring glory to God? Because when you use the gifts and the talents that, you, that God has blessed you with, you find your purpose. So the birds, they bring glory to God. The wind brings glory to God. Why? What do birds do? Fly, eat, sing, and other stuff. Sleep, birdie stuff. But in that, they bring glory to God. Why? Because for the purpose that they were created, they are fulfilling that purpose. In the same way, the wind brings glory to God because it blows, full stop. But inherent to it doing what God created it to do, it brings glory to him. And so when we do the things and we serve in the way that God has called us to serve, we bring glory to him because we find our purpose in that. And for some people, I believe that God is calling us to reassess our commitment. Because you will say, yeah, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing what, what, what I believe I'm meant to be doing. But God is saying, are you doing it well? Or are you just doing it because you're ticking the box to say I serve on a Sunday? And outside of a Sunday, there's work to be done as well. Yeah. Let's just put it out there. Yeah. But the question is, what do you have in your hands? So, let's make it a bit practical, right? Yeah? yeah. Good. Um, so I work in a project environment. Um, and part and parcel of my role is business change. And so when I go into an organization or sit alongside teams, I use something called the as-is-to-be model. All right, some of you might have heard of it, but ultimately what it is is we look at where you are 
in order to understand what's required to get to where you want to be. All right? So, for example, you'll look at a process. Um, I'll use myself as an example. There was a point in time when I was like, my journey to work is really arduous, and <laughs> I need to change it. So I assessed what I was doing in the morning, all right? So I would say, okay, I'm spending X amount of time um, getting my clothes ready, I'm, ex I'm, I'm spending X amount of time getting my food ready, and so I'm losing 15, 20 minutes of sleep. But what I found was that if I started my routine the night before, half an hour or 45 minutes earlier, I could iron my shirt and get that all ready. So all I need to do is slip it on after I've had my shower and, and whatnot. If I prepared my food and put it in a bag or put it in the, in the fridge, <laughs> all I had to do was just pick it up and get out of the house. But that was an assessment of where I currently am to understand where I can change and make adjustments. In the same way, I think that if we're going to be effective, we need to start with an audit. We need to start with an audit of where we are. Because without doing that, we, you won't understand the effort required to get to where you need to be. For some people, it's just as simple as step out. Yeah? But for example, if God's given you a vision or a business idea, you need to know what skills you don't have. Yeah. yeah? It's not just, I'm just going to jump into it. You take stock first and you say, where am I at the moment? Yeah. What change and adjustments need to be made in order to facilitate the change that needs to be made? But ultimately, what we first need to do is take an audit and see where we're being inefficient, where we're wasting time, and be real about it as well. Like, I'm not saying it's wrong to watch a TV show when you get home to relax. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. Yeah. But are you spending all your time to do that? Yeah. Then you think, oh, sugar, it's time to go to bed. Yeah. And one day goes by, a week goes by, a month goes by, a year goes by, and you're looking back, creating New Year's resolutions, I'm going to start that business again. Yeah. But in order to do that, you need to make a change in your character and your behavior for that change to be effective. We have to take an audit of where we are to understand where we need to go. The Bible even says it, he who starts in a building doesn't first count the cost. What's the, what's the principle? Understand the journey you need to take. And sometimes that might mean getting alongside people that have been there and done that beforehand. Matt Hooper, and I guess this is the second thing, Matt Hooper was, he was here when Matt Hooper spoke. There's a phrase he used that has stuck with me time and time again, it's, don't want to misquote him, if you want to roar, you need to get alongside people who know how to roar. Yeah. And that means if you want to achieve something, yeah. don't go about learning it yourself. Yeah. There's a place for personal experience, amen? Yeah. But it's like with kids and, 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 and the parents, they're like, don't do that, I've been there, done that. And the kids are like, no, I understand, you're just trying to spoil my fun, mum. <laughs> and, and there might be a, a hint of that, just for their own personal pleasure. But ultimately, it's because we've been there, we've done that, we've seen the result of that mistake, and we don't want you to make that same mistake. Because you learn from what you've got wrong, not so much from what you've got right when everything's going well. 
And so you get alongside people who know how to roar and how to achieve the things that you want to achieve in order for them to show you the way. So part of that requires humility on, on our behalf. But take that example of, of, of lions and lion cubs. Baby lions or lion cubs, they learn how to hunt from their mother. But they play with their other cubs. So don't go to people who are at the same level as you and ask them for a direction on where to go. That is futile. Because ultimately, if they don't have any idea, where to, what is it? The blind leading the blind, right? So if they have no idea, how are they going to show you direction? So I guess there's humility on both parts, those who are being approached and those who are doing the approaching. But ultimately, we have to work together to achieve the things that God has called us to achieve. We have to get alongside one another and say, hey, come on, come on, where are you at, where are you at with the things that you've spoken about? With the dreams and visions God has called you to, where are you at? It's that thing about like, entrepreneurs, often they can think about, oh, the end goal. Right? I'm going to be the next Jeff Bezos, or you know, I'm gonna, this is what it's going to look like at, at the end. But God's like, start where I've called you to be. Logistics. How about you use your car as opposed to waiting to get a van to take things around? It's an option, isn't it? You start where, where you're able to start. And really, we have to be humble if we're going to achieve the things that God has called us to achieve. We have to take a step back, stop thinking so highly of ourselves, and get over our own fear of speaking to people. We have to speak to people who are champions in the areas that we want to be champions in and ask them to help us. Because when we work together, we will see the building of the kingdom and we will all get joy from it. Every single person here is valuable. Every single person has inherent value and there is nobody more important than anyone else. And so every single one of us has a part to play in the building of the kingdom. It's not more important to be on this stage than it is to be at the back of the hall. It's not. We all have just different roles and functions to play because God gives gifts according to ability. And there are gifts that are lying dormant in some of us that God's like, come on, hey, wake up. Wake up. Because I have a vision, I have a dream, and I've called you specifically by name to stand with me and walk with me and to work this out on this earth. It could be where you work. Don't just see necessarily your employment as just a thing you do to, put, to bring money in. There's still a work for you to do if God opened that door. Think about conversations you can have. Uh, an example, there's a, a job that I had and I was looking at everyone thinking there's not a chance that, they, that, that they're even interested in the gospel. I say that because 98% of them were Muslim. So much so that on a Friday they would all go to mosque like it was, it was a created space for them to do that. And I was like, there's no way that, that, that they're even interested in anything that I've got to share, share with them. Then God had to pull me up on that and said, no, I love everyone on this earth. Yeah. And I put you here to be valuable. Yeah. And so I then started having conversations. Did I see anyone saved? No. Is it my responsibility to see them saved? No. 
But is it my responsibility to do what God has called me to do in the space that I've been called to do it? Absolutely. And so I started having conversations about my beliefs and how they differ to theirs. Didn't get into an argument, didn't get into fisticuffs, but I was able to share the truth of the gospel as I, as I see it and I know it from the word of God. How are you being effective in the space that God has called you to be effective? In the community that we're, that we're in and with, how are you using the gifts and talents that God has given you? See yourself as valuable because God made you. And if he made you, he created you with a purpose. And inherent to you having a purpose means you have value. If you can't see it, that means get alongside people who are ahead of you and help them to pull it out of you. So if your response to today was, but I don't have any gifts, that's a lie of the enemy. It's not true. Get alongside people. It doesn't matter what people have said to you in the past. It doesn't matter what, what you've been told in the past, that you're not worth it, that you have no value. God is saying to you this morning, you are inherently valuable. I know you by name. I have called you and you have a purpose and a, and a value in my kingdom. Um, so what we're going to do is the worship team, the amazing worship team, are going to sing a song for us. Um, but as that's happening, there are going to be slips that are handed, handed out. Um, and these slips relate to this expression of the body of Christ, this church. Not necessarily the four walls, but us as a community. Yeah. And basically it says, I would like to know more about, and it lists different teams. And then all it says is your name and a telephone and a space for your telephone number. Just tick it. And then put your name and the telephone number. Yeah. And someone who is what I'm now going to call a champion of that area will, will be in contact. Because if you feel like you have a calling but yet you, you're unsure as to your skill level, that doesn't matter. Yeah. We can work alongside you and help to bring that out. Yeah. If you're interested in something. But what I'm going to say is be ready to be committed. Because we need to use the gifts well in serving one another. It's not just about using them. It's not just about ticking it and like let your heart respond, not, not just a practical ticking of, of, of a sheet. Let your heart respond and saying, God, I'm, I'm ready to partner with you in your work. God, I'm prepared to step out beyond my comfort zone. Yes, there's things going on in my life, but God, I'm ready to partner with you in your work here in Hope Church. Um, so yeah, the team are going to do that and then after that, the buckets will go around so please put them back in the bucket or I know Laurie will collar you at the door when you're trying to get out <laughs> um, but please let our heart respond what do you have in your hand what are the gifts and the talents that God has blessed you with and how are we using them Amen. Amen, Amen.